You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to the Gas Show and to Write Blues. My name is Steve Whitman. I'm with Emily Cannell and Dan Volpone. My first question is for you, Dan. Um, if Joel Embiid was coming over to your apartment tomorrow night for dinner, you're not allowed to order in. You're not allowed to have your parents cook something. You're not allowed to do go ask a neighbor. You can't do any sort of workaround. What would you cook for him uh, that would impress him in some way and also taste reasonably good? Yeah, I don't really assume, cook. By the way, assume he has no dietary restrictions. Okay, yeah, I don't really cook, but I could I could make him a nice peanut butter and jelly. Uh, if he likes ham <laughs> sandwiches, I have that. Um, I mean, if he was really like, if he was really really coming, I would probably Google what he likes. Like, I could go make some Shirley Temples, things like that, because sure. you know, I you know I I love the guy, but like mm-hmm. I don't know if it was. Dan, what's in a Shirley Temple? Do you even know? Yeah, there's like soda, right? I don't know. Do you know so, kind of soda? <laughs> uh, Sprite? Mm-hmm. Cranberry juice? Oh, uh, what else? Cherries. Grenadine. Cherries. Grenadine. 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 Cherry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that was close. You got the soda? So, Emily, what would you and or Jordy make? Uh, who does, who's a better cook over there? So Jordy's a better cook. Hmm. Jordy does all the cooking pretty much and then I do the dishes that's like our arrangement gotcha um but I do make a couple things well um I can do I can make like a seafood boil I made Jordy one for his birthday so Joel likes seafood and then this past weekend I made these buffalo turkey uh zucchini boats that were apparently really good according to Jordy he gave me lots of uh, props on them so if if Joel likes spicy things, those were really good. So I would make him one of that, maybe. That sounds good. Um, all right. Well, this is all very exciting. Um, speaking of uh, Joel and exciting, uh, since we last talked and last time we talked, we had mentioned that he had not yet signed the Supermax. And, it, you know, uh, personally, I really was hoping that he was not signing it until we traded Ben. That was going to be a lot of fun. Anyway, he, he signed it. Uh, I think Ramona Shelburne was the one who broke the story. Uh, Joel finalized a four-year, $196 million Supermax extension with the Sixers. Ties him to Philly through, I think, 2026 when he will be like 31. Um, so, uh, oh, also, 
guess what? The rest of this podcast, Sam just reminded me in the chat. I apologize. We'll get back to the Embiid thing. Uh, the second half of this, I forget this every time we do this. Uh, the second half of this podcast will be uh, Emily and my interview with uh, Jeroen Weitzman of Fox Sports and of uh, Tanking to the Top. We talked to him a lot about Ben Simmons. We'll, we'll say only a couple things about Ben at the end of this podcast and then lead right into that in-depth conversation about Ben with um, – with your own Dan, of course, doesn't want to trade Ben, so he didn't want to take part in a conversation where he hypothetically talked about it. Um, all right, so Joel signs a supermax. Um, I think that even last week we were pretty confident that eventually he was going to sign it. It's a hard contract to turn down, especially when you've had injuries and that kind of stuff. Uh, there's no language in this contract about uh, sort of in case of, of a devastating injury like there was in his first big deal. Um, I, I don't know if there's another reaction to this other than just being thrilled that he's going to continue being a sixer, hopefully be a sixer for the rest of his career. Um, he's incredible and he loves us and we love him and we should surround him with the right players. Dan, what's you, what's your uh, response to the Joel Embiid supermax? Yeah, no, it's, there's no, there's no way that it couldn't be great news. Like, you know, I think there's always been the, not, like constant fear because you know Joe always talks about how much he wants to stay but when when things come up with like oh well Dame thinks he could get like Embiid or Tatum to the Knicks and it's like do players think Joel might want out like right. is there you know because guys have said they want to stay and then like the team doesn't do enough to win and they leave it happens all the time so for him to to sign for you know another four years is very exciting and there's there's just nothing like no way to look at it besides great news and I would say after the uh, Boston series, I don't think Joel was in a particularly good place with the front office intact there. Like that was the Horford Richardson year. They got swept by Boston and Joel had a down year by his standards. Uh, he didn't make either all NBA team. He, uh, he was not happy with how things played out with Butler and Reddick gone and, and everything that went into that. And um you know, the Sixers ended up changing everything and they got Daryl Morey and they got uh, Doc Rivers, which Joel was involved with. So I think they those changes were extremely, extremely important. And we might be in a different place if, if those didn't happen. Um, Emily, what what is your reaction to the Joel Supermax uh, that you saw there? He said, do I have he Joel tweeted about uh I don't remember exactly the wording. I feel like you might remember better than me, but just loving Philadelphia and, and being happy to stick around. Yeah, the Sixers put out like a couple of videos and he was saying like, I just love Philly so much. I love the fans. I just love it. And I'm like, we love you too. Stay here forever. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I like we've, we always say we're just a sucker for that stuff. Like tell us how much you love us and want to be here. The more, yep. the more, the better. Cannot get enough. <laughs> um so but yeah really happy for him love that he represented himself and saved himself whatever percentage agents are taking these days like love it way to save that money he, we always knew that he was like very frugal and this just is another sign that's like this is my money not an agent's money and I'm gonna get it um right. I imagine it was a pretty easy negotiation like Right. what is the most i saw someone tweeted like joel googled how much can i get and said i want this and they said yes <laughs> i think and, like, that was, that was it. it was I very funny yeah um so yeah very happy for him the whole Embiid family uh baby arthur and everyone so happy for him they deserve it 
yeah, it's wonderful. I, you know, we, we can talk forever about his story and the way he got to us and the way that what he's been through. And it's just the coolest shit in the world. So uh, thrilled that he's our guy uh, and, and here to stay. So uh, that's great. And there were the, some pictures released on social and one of them was Josh Harris in there. And it's like, boy, could we crop it? Could we, you know, I feel like one of the stipulations of the deal, obviously Joel got the Supermax, but Harris was like, you have to take a picture with me. Like you have to, and you have to almost smile. I need you to be in a picture with me. He's also, I feel like smiling a lot bigger in the one by himself. Mm -hmm. He's like, when I'm alone, I'm happy. When he is near me, I'm less happy. <laughs> Which I think exactly. is relatable. Yeah. Very, very like relatable. He's, does anyone want to stand next to Josh Harris? I don't know. No. Jared Kushner, I guess. Um, all right. <laughs> the uh, the uh, six-year schedule is out. The uh, NBA schedules were released. I'll, I'll just read some of the highlights. They play everybody as they do every year. Um, Sixers do not have a Christmas game. No Christmas game for the Sixers. The Knicks, talk about. Oh. the Knicks do. I feel like the Knicks always do. Uh, we can talk. And so do the Jazz. What the fuck is going on? Um, we can talk about our reaction to no Christmas game. The Sixers play the Nets on ESPN on October 22nd, which is their second game of the year. Um, and then let's see what else. Uh, they open their season on October 20th at New Orleans against Zion Williamson. Um, and then the Sixers will host Golden State in the only pre-Christmas Saturday ABC primetime game on December 11th, I guess. Cool. Um, and the first five games are at New Orleans. They play Brooklyn at home, then at OKC, at the Knicks, and Detroit at home. Uh, the Sixers have 12 back-to-backs. Eight times they play three games in four days. They don't play any games in between January 8th and January 11th. Uh, from November 13th to December 8th, the Sixers play 10 out of 12 on the road. That'll be a big deal. And the preseason schedule uh, starts on October 4th. They play Toronto twice, they play Brooklyn, and then they play Detroit. Um, what do we think about the Sixers schedule this year Emily any takeaways from all of that stuff um not too many takeaways it's kind of I always love a Christmas day game um one because I normally sell the tickets and money on them <laughs> if they're at home two I just it's fun my family Sixers fan so it gives us things to do on Christmas um so that's kind of a bummer but other than that um they don't on my birthday this year I believe which is Oh, no, they do. So they can all crush my spirits on my birthday, which I generally welcome. And Who are they playing on your birthday? The Raptors. They shouldn't crush my dreams on my birthday, but, you know. In they Toronto, can the, so. the wedding day all over again. Right. They don't play on my wedding part two day, but they play the day before and the day after. So. Got it. Do they play on your wedding anniversary? Um, I think the season's over by then. Oh, yeah, it's probably back on a normal. Oh, no, the last, the second to last game of the season is my one-year anniversary against the Pacers. So, wow. Taking really. Wow. Double-digit loss. Take the under yeah. on that Woo. one. Uh, Dan, what about you, buddy? Any any reaction to the Sixers schedule, preseason or otherwise? Uh, Not really. I mean, it's kind of a bummer. We don't have a Christmas Day game. Uh. I like watching them on Christmas, but also they like when they get killed on Christmas or if they 
just like if they lose at all on Christmas, it's early enough in the season that like you still kind of care. Like usually they lose a regular season game and it's like March, you know, it's like these games right at this point, we've played 60 of them and we're already thinking about the playoffs. Whereas like those are like the early primetime games. It feels like the big test guys get up for them. And it's right. kind of a bummer when they lose them. So, uh, yeah, I think it's like, it's fine. I don't know. It's it, like you said, they, it's not a football schedule. Well, I mean, football, you know who you're playing just by the standings, but like mm-hmm. you play the, you play the, the same teams every year. Like it's, it, I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't think about it too much. It's, it is what it is. Um, uh, that's the new catchphrase of the podcast. I don't think about it too much and it is what it is. Um, no, we're sticking with the, we're sticking with the other one. That one's never, yeah. be that's safe true. and be great. It's irreplaceable. Um, 27 of the Sixers, 82 games will be on national TV. That's sort of a fake number because the NBA TV games, I don't know if we call them actual, like I think TNT, ABC, they don't really count. ESPN, yeah. Right. So I don't know. I would like, I would be interested to see the, the actual number of that. Um, so yeah, that's the schedule. We'll see what happens. We don't know what the roster is going to look like. Uh, one last thing on the uh, Embiid thing. Uh, his quote from after he signed the Supermax, he said, I've always had one dream to play for one city. Philly and me, I've always thought that we're a perfect match. They care, they're passionate, I love them, and I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. I mean, come on, the best. The best, love them. Um, moving on, the Sixers fired a bunch of people. We have a lot, I don't really understand what happened here because we have conflicting reports from two different friends of the podcast. First is uh, Keith Pompey, who just opens it up with, it was definitely a Black Friday for Sixers employees. Hilarious way to start it. The team let go scouts, Rod Baker and Jordan Cohn, uh, Christian Engridge GM, uh, Delaware Bluecoats GM, Matt Lilly, uh, and Scott Rigo, who's the director of equipment operations. Uh, Rigo had been with the team for 34 years and was, everybody has only wonderful things to say about him. Everybody loves this guy. Uh, then Pompey says, according to sources, they were let go in cost-cutting moves. He said around 17 employees, including half of the scouting department, were let go in cost-cutting moves. Uh, our buddy, Tom West from Liberty Ballers, followed up on this. Uh, he said, while some, per source, while some Sixers staffers were let go, others did not have their contracts renewed at the end of the 2020-21 season or accepted new promotions or new roles with other teams. Um, He's been told that the number of people who won't be returning is lower than the previously reported 17. Uh, Sixers new leadership came in last year and wanted to take the season to evaluate the position. Uh, The number of employees departing the Sixers is 13. Um, So this was sort of strange. I mean, they want to have a scouting department. So they're not, I don't get the cost cutting part of this logistically because they're not going to not fill these roles. Like Maury wants to have a staff there. Um, the Rigo thing seems so like like a, a thing that everybody's criticizing no matter what. Uh, he was with the team for 34 years, and I think everybody really liked him. What did he do wrong this year with the equipment? I don't understand. Did somebody have somebody else's jockstrap? I don't know. Um, you know, Matt Lilly, what, I mean, you know, the, my, my initial reaction to this is like the owners are like money hungry billionaires who are like 
being shitty to be shitty, which they've done before, but it seems more like it's just like sort of what would normally happen with uh, a new head person in place. So I don't really have much to to say about it other than, you know, best of luck to everybody. And this Scott Rigo thing seems shitty to me. Emily, do you have any thoughts on the uh, the reported departures in the Sixers staff? Yeah, I think outside of a lot of them, it sounds pretty. I don't. Sorry, camera was doing. That really threw me off. Um, and can you hear me? A little bit. You're going in and out for me a bit. Uh, I can hear you perfectly fine. Oh. Okay. Well, let's go. Steve is like, he's like camera is like time lapsing. Like he's like. Quicksilver, you know how like Quicksilver like the, runs, and then he's like in another position. Whoa! Like it's like horse in the chair. Kinda like <laughs> he's like freezing, and then you're in a new position. So I was like, "What wow. is happening?" Okay. Back to layoff. <laughs> our favorite, our favorite topic. Back to layoff. That's um, great. Um. Yeah. Like the scouting department, I think most of those are probably just contract things that are they're either else like there's no way we're not gonna have scouts um I think like you said the Rigo is like the one that's like the shittiest and maybe the cost cutting thing but it's like I'm not trying to be like how much does an equipment manager make in the NBA like compared to Josh Harris's salary so like no anyway you slice it like the man has worked there since high school and like worked his way up so I think he probably maybe makes more than other ones because he's been there for so long and like you know you get a cost of living raise and people you get in with someone you like and you know you've been there for so long but it's just like they he's not making like millions of dollars he's just been with this organization for so long and it just either way you shake it it seems shitty um I know like I think Keith and Tombo said like he's close with Embiid so it's like anyone Joel likes just stop getting rid of his friends we've said this over and over let his friends be and move on with it. Give them what they want and make Joel happy. Well, yeah, why don't like we just fire Ben's cameraman? Like, <laughs> sorry, that was me. I don't actually want to say that. money. I'm just there. saying, like, um, we always get rid of Joel people. We have all the Ben people around. You know, uh, they're going to hire somebody to do the equipment stuff anyway. Like, that's also a position, that, unless they're just going to, like, make Dave Yeager deal with the equipment, which I doubt. I don't, you know, it feels like maybe maybe it's like the like uh rookie hazing, like Jaden Springer just has to be the equipment manager. That's now. hilarious. He's like stitching like on a full time job. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh Dad, anything on these uh on the reported hiring or firings and layoffs and stuff? Yeah, it's definitely a little weird. I mean like it makes sense, you know, Tom's Tom's reporting that like Basically, Maury got there late, was going to take the time to, you know, evaluate the people in the front office and then the next offseason decide who he wants to keep, who he wants to let go of. I think a lot of this, um, the, there were people like coming at Tom on Twitter acting like he's carrying water for like the billionaires that run the Sixers, just like in his comments, not a lot of people, but like some weirdos. And it's like, yeah do you think that they're not going to have a scouting department like what do you think the plan is for the team like it it makes sense and like maybe maybe there were some shitty things done like I don't know I don't know entirely what happened but they're definitely going to replace these people like like it's not like they're they're cutting out the department to save costs they're going to have a scouting team and like 
like you said, they're going to have an equipment manager. They just spent $2 million on the 53rd pick and haven't even signed the player yet. Like, <laughs> I, right. I don't, like I, I completely buy that they're cheap in the sense that like, they probably don't want to go into like the luxury tax, whatever. But like, I don't think they're cheap to the point that they're like getting hands-on about people who are making like, you know, very very low six figures maybe like at, yeah like depending on who the person is i don't even know what people make but like <clears throat> like i don't think that even that like the owners even josh harris like i'd love to bash josh harris but like there's no way he thinks that's even worth his time yeah i i do like to envision a scenario where this draft day darren Mori goes i think we should buy this pick from uh new orleans i think charles bassey might be there and i'd really like to by this pick and Harris is sort of looking over the invoices and he's like, all right, but Rigo's got to go. All right. Like, we'll, I'll get Charles Bassey if you want, but Rigo's fucking gone. Uh, I can't, I can't pay both of them. It's one or the other. Um, so they certainly should, should uh, sign Charles Bassey, which they still have not. Maybe that's um, the hold up on the Bassey contract. Maybe <laughs> they're trying to be like, we had to get Rigo gone for you. So you have to do his job and play basketball. And that's mm-hmm. like, you just want to play basketball. And they're like, no, no, this is a two for one job. This is how we want to do it. And so they're like, I'm not going to sign it yet. They're still in negotiations. I think, I think we've cracked it. Bassie's agent is like, listen, we noticed one thing in the contract <laughs> about him being the equipment manager now. I don't really, this isn't really his thing. I don't really... Anyway, good luck to everyone, especially Scott Regal, who we'd love to have on the podcast, and we hear is a great guy. And we've, like, we, real quickly, we've seen, like, you know, beginning of COVID, like, Sixers try to, uh, like, you know, cut costs, but that was, like, a team-wide thing. Like, they were, like, we want to cut these people, like, everyone's salary, like, 20%. They're not, like, there's there's no way that, like, the high, high ups, like, the, like, are looking through, like, the staff and, like, deciding who they think is worth keeping and not keeping at that level like that definitely falls under maury right like right no are... this is basketball ops people rather than right the, yeah. like the the reported layoffs or cutbacks they were trying to do i think we're like ticketing staff and uh maybe arena people something like that i mean people that make right. even less money than the people we're talking about it's obviously morally wrong um but but right. a different right. scenario also you brought up tom like Tom wasn't editorializing. Tom was sharing reporting that he had for, on the situation. So Tom's not carrying water for billionaires at all. Tom's like, definitely not. <laughs> yeah, absolutely not. Um, all right. The Sixers waived Ray John Tucker, which was tough because we really liked Ray John and the vibes and uh, the dunks were great. Uh, and then they quickly signed Grant Riller to their two-way contract. I don't know much about it. He played at Charleston. Uh, but I did remember pretty quickly that when Jackson Frank did our draft preview from last year, he had Grant Riller at 13. Um, and he's a guard that can create off the dribble and shoot. And uh, that's exciting to me. It seems like a good um, a good flyer to take. And to have him on a two-way is a, a really nice thing. So him and Aaron Henry are your two-way guys. And um, I think it's cool. I, I will miss Rajon being around. Um, but I certainly think from a basketball perspective, it seems smart to have uh, Riller in there. Dan, any thoughts on that? Sounds good. I'm but yeah, sounds good. Uh, Emily? 
Yeah, the basketball-wise, it sounds good. I just really hope that Riller is friends with B-Ball Paul because it seems like Paul and Tucker were really good friends. Like the, like an hour before this like got released, um, Justin Persickety, he had like this quote and it was like, he asked Paul about Rajon Tucker and he was like, Paul's like, that's my dog. Like we were in the bubble with the blue coats. Like we bonded, we went to the championship. Like we're going to do so much together. And an hour later, the Sixers, we have waved Rajon Tucker. And I was like, ooh, yeah, my guy. So I'm hoping that Paul Reed is in need of a new friend and hopefully Riller can fill that hole in his heart. And then I'm all good with it. Then we're good. Yeah, that would be nice. Um, then we have uh, Woj, Adrian Wojnarowski did like sort of a spawn con thing with CJ McCollum, who is the new NBA Players Association uh, president. And within that conversation, Woj had some more reporting about uh, Portland. And he basically said, uh, it's widely assumed now that Damian Lillard, uh, spawn con, of course, if anybody's wondering at home, is sponsored content. So like sort of publicity uh, style interview. It wasn't even that high on my list of guesses, to be honest. I was thinking maybe they had a spontaneous conversation, you know? Oh, that's, <laughs> that's good. Right? Yeah, that's, a SponCon is usually the, like that kind of SponCon is like the opening question of the podcast. That's a spontaneous conversation. Um, Woj basically said that Lillard is not going to demand a trade before the season which is very upsetting, uh, especially for us, as we would love to do the Ben trade for Lillard. But it looks like that is not going to happen until probably at the earliest, a couple months into the season, as he takes a look at the roster to see whether or not the uh, Cody Zeller, Tony Snow, uh, uh, Ben McLemore moves will put them over the top. So I guess we'll have to see what the returns are on that. Um, and of course, because they were so close around. before that that could they were that could so close. They were truly they sure they lost to the Nuggets without any guards, but they were really really so close. Um, so now the Sixers obviously still have to deal with the Ben situation, which is not getting any better. And there are reports all the time. Again, we talk the second of this podcast is us talking to Yaron, so we won't spend long on this. But just generally, what sort of packages are you now looking for for Ben? Um, like what, what is, what is your preference at this point, Emily? I like the Spurs package. Yeah. I like the young guys from the Spurs. Cause I like both of those guys. Um, generally I think it's Murray and Johnson that people are saying, and then probably picks and other things that I don't know about. Um, but I like those two young guys. So I would, I would like that one if I have to select them. So I, yeah, the one that I have been most interested in is DeJounte Murray and Derek White. I just don't know if we'll get uh, uh, Keldon Johnson. Obviously, I would love him. Um, I like Derek White, couple, too. Yeah, he's good. Um, and a couple picks. Because in that, for me, that's like, they'll continue to be competitive. They'll, they'll still be good in the regular season. Um, you could argue that they would now be better in the playoffs with those guys instead of Ben, who tends to struggle when the teams are real. Um, and you still have assets, you get two picks from them that you can still be ready for when a star trade happens. And you keep the Sixers young guys who would be attractive, attractive in a trade like that, like Maxi and Thibault. To me, that seems like the pivot. I don't, I just don't have that much interest in just trading Ben for two like veteran guys who are like, okay, 
because it, it doesn't feel like that would serve either thing. Like it doesn't feel like that would put them over Brooklyn necessarily. And it doesn't put them in a stronger position for the star trade that I think they're hoping for. Dan, I, where are you I like, Oh, sorry. Sorry. Just I to agree with you. I like including young guys more because also like we know what they are, but also they're with a young guy like that, there's always a chance like in another system, they could take a huge leap and then great what point. You have, where if it's like a vet, it's like, that's not going to happen. It's just like a proven commodity where if the, what is proven is high, like, but there is, could be another ceiling like that I'm more interested in as well. It's a great point that I, uh, I didn't mention. Yeah. Like guys like Murray and, uh, uh, Derek White or Johnson, like they're all around 23 years old and, uh, it's hard for us to internalize this, but players around that age tend to get better in the NBA. And, and like, you would think putting them next to a guy like Embiid would would really help their games. And, and uh, yeah, I, I think that's the other aspect of that trade is that there's untapped potential there where you could see them getting better. So, yeah, I, that, that, I would agree with that. Dan, what about you at this point? Like, how crestfallen are you about the Willard thing that looks like it's uh, not going to happen, at least for a little while? And um, what sort of package are you looking to pivot toward? So I would do either package. Um, I'm, I guess I'm bummed about Lillard. I've been bummed about Lillard though, because yeah. if you remember, I was really not believing this was going to happen for a little while now. It just never felt like he, I don't know if he was going to, and then the reporting came out and he was like, I'll show you how little, you know, but like <laughs> he's, it just never felt like he was going to do it to me. Um, it ended up feeling like, you know, he had these demands and, they weren't really, it wasn't an ultimatum. You know what I mean? It was like, uh, you, you guys better improve the roster. And then they didn't. He's like, I still want to be here. Um, right. But we'll see. I mean, the the nice thing about, you know, moves like these is that, well, it kind of depends. I, I mean, I think more so if you go get the younger guys, um, you're keeping your options open for, for Lillard. Um, and if you feel like, you know, there's still a chance he asks out of the trade deadline, then, you know, first of all, you can aggregate the players you're bringing in by then. You have all these extra picks. You still have your young guys you can throw in. You have your own picks. You have a lot to offer um, if you want to go get, uh, if you want to go get uh, Lillard, you know, in a few months. I, I do think, though, you know, if you're looking at it and the team knows, you know, obviously way more than we do, um, and they're, they see the situation and they're like, Dame isn't going to ask out. Like, he's just, he wants to, he wants to be there. He's committed to the organization. Um, I would be happy with Ben for something like CJ McCollum and Robert Covington. I think CJ is a lot better than uh, his, you know, maybe post-injury end of the season led on. I think you're still re re recovering and, uh, I, I think he'll be fine. He's still late twenties. So um, he definitely has a few years left uh, at least. Uh, he's a very good scorer um, and Covington's a, a great defender. You're, you, you know, you could basically run a lineup that's like McCollum, uh, even Thibel or one of like Thibel, Green, Curry, and you have Covington, you have uh, Tobias, you have Embiid. And you still have those those young guys coming. If you really wanted to do something, I mean, if Tobias is 
you know, movable. I don't know if he is or if you want to move him, but you have some flexibility with, you know, trying to attach some younger players to him. If, you know, maybe the, you know, a Ben trade satisfies Lillard and the Blazers aren't in play, but maybe right. Beal decides he's going to leave or Levine that can't work out an extension. So you're still keeping your options open on those fronts. Um, I don't know. I just think it makes him a lot better. I think McCollum's better than Simmons anyway. I mean, Simmons has been, you know, an all-star three times and McCollum never has been, but McCollum plays in the West and has been like a high level non-all-star and Simmons plays in the East and has been like a low level all-star to like, I would argue this year, completely undeserving all-star. I think there were like five or six players that should have made it over him, including Tobias Harris at that point in the season. (laughs) So yeah, I think McCollum's better now. You get another key piece in Covington, who we've seen be very good. And you keep the young guys, you you move off of Ben in the like I don't like we, we've talked about it. Like I don't think it's tenable. Like I don't think your options are like let's go get like some other guys, or should we like hold on to Ben and like my my concern isn't just like, <laughs> oh, Ben's gonna be bad in the playoffs. It's like he's gonna either not show up or just really not want to be here and not play well. Like that's where I'm at. So yeah, like that was trade. My next... if, he, if he looks bad, it's good. like his value is going to tank even further. So my, the next thing I was going to ask is like with, uh, and again, there's a lot of Ben talk coming at the end of this, but um, with Beal off the table, with Dame off the table for now, is any part of you like just hold Ben until the star comes available? My answer is no. My answer is that this is like not, a good situation that like of course listen this isn't perfect like this sucks that the Sixers are trading Ben when they absolutely have to trade Ben that sucks like they didn't get the Harden deal done that that was a you know uh, uh I don't know if it was a mistake because there's so much conflicting reporting about how that actually didn't happen it is it's funny though like you know they were I was listening to this is like probably over a month ago now maybe two months ago but soon after the season and they were you know talking about it on on the Ricky and I think it might have been Spike was like isn't it convenient that we all think that like you know Daryl couldn't trade for Harden right like he couldn't get Mm -hmm. it like he just they wouldn't trade him to him and like oh Daryl had to trade Chris Paul for Westbrook like he he had to like his hand was forced isn't it it convenient like that we believe all these things that kind of exonerate him from any bad move or non-move has been made and I think we do that a lot when in reality I really doubt that, like, if we hit a certain price, we couldn't have gotten hard. It's a totally fair thing. I definitely lean the way that that fits better for what I would prefer to believe. Uh, Shams did report that, that basically that was the case about Tillman, but he could have gotten that from Daryl after it didn't work out. Who knows? Um, anyway, just to go around uh, around the room here, uh, I, I don't think that there's any way you can just hold. Like, I think that everybody involved wants Ben on a different team and it sucks that there's no star right now, but figure out another way to keep the team competitive and to keep yourself in a good position for a star. It's like the other thing, like Ben is in some giant trade ship that the league is lusting after and you can easily get him for a star. Like in so many of these hypothetical trades, we need to find a third team because the acquiring team wouldn't want Ben. So like, I just think that like Massey, Thibel, whatever whatever other guys you can get and and a million picks will get you in that conversation um emily in terms of holding on to ben i like 
Also, just from a team standpoint, I can't imagine it's good to have like the lead ball handler after that sort of series, not want to be there very publicly, the team trying to trade him very publicly, and you're just going to go into the air and be like, yeah, it's fine. Like that, that feels like a really like, they're not going to win games if that's the situation. And it's like, everybody will look worse. So Emily, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. I would like him gone. Like, even if we look at like the early season party games where he just like looked like he was just going to be on the court and just stand there and do nothing or like make bad passes because he's like lazing around because he wanted out of Houston. Um, I think Ben would do that. I also like, we have all these young guys that like seem so like zestful and excited to play and I like I don't want him to bring them down like I want them right. to like bond at training camp and like have a good experience and I think having like a dour ball handler that wants to be out of the city and doesn't want to play for this team like doesn't a good experience make for them so um yeah I just want I don't want him to be there yeah and, and Emily and I you'll hear Emily and I talk more in depth about Doc uh to your own but there's also what people have called an irreparable relationship between the head coach and the lead ball handler, which is like a pretty big part of this. You know, uh, there's obviously reporting about Ben not responding to the star player. And, and there's lots of reporting. You know, Jake uh, Fisher reported last week that Ben hasn't been in touch with uh, uh, Joel, Daryl or Doc. Uh, Dan, uh, you know, you also agree that um, there's, there's no just holding on to him until a good trade, you know, sprouts up. I, I agree. And I think there are probably good, good enough trades out there to keep you competitive and keep you, you know, it, you know, flexible enough to try to get a star later. Um, yeah. I, the home openers against Brooklyn, uh, we'll, we're not going to be favored in the game. He's going to be booed the whole time. He just is. And like, I'm not even saying like, like whatever, like people should be mean to him. Like, I'm not saying that, but he will be booed the whole time. And we've yeah. heard guys talk about, you know, like we've complained about it almost because like, we kind of feel like it was, we've all agreed. It was like BS, you know, we were at the games, no one booed him in those mm -hmm. playoff games, but you hear, you know, whatever Kate he felt was coming his way, everyone seems to think it affected him. Uh, and so when there's actual like consistent booing at him, which, there will be like his name will be announced and he will be booed. Like that is not going to be good. It's just not going to be good. And by the way, like clutch knows this. like they, they have a pulse of like what would happen. And, and that's, and again, yes. we're about to talk about, talk about it with your own, but like, I think a holdout is super possible because nobody will come out of this looking good. Like, I just don't think Ben will have another wonderful two-week stretch where he looks good at the beginning of the season and then they'll trade him for you know LeBron James like it's it's, it's not gonna work that way anyway you're about to hear us talk to your own um and uh, about the whole Simmons situation and remote uh, your own had two uh great reports about that between the end of the season and now uh so but first you're gonna hear an ad after this you'll we're doing an ad break and then we'll go right into the your own stuff anything else from you guys before uh we go on to that interview no, I'm excited no. to listen to it. <laughs> great. Be safe and be great. Good seeing you both. And uh, after this, enjoy the podcast and we'll talk to you next week. See ya. See ya. Bye. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? 
That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Uh, we're here. This is uh, it's Steve and Emily. Dan's not with us yet. And we are joined by Yaron Weitzman, the first ever guest on the Gastroenteritis Blues Makes a Triumphant Return. Uh, Yaron, of course, is the author of the book Tanking to the Top. And he's a journalist for Fox Sports now. And we have... A lot of questions for you. Uh, you've done a lot of reporting about Ben Simmons and the Sixers, and uh, recently you had a report about sort of the interminable nature of what has dragged on for a long time now, it feels like. Um, so we figure we'll pepper you with questions uh, about Ben and the Sixers and where things stand and, and what you think is going to end up with this, and then we'll get you out of here. So the first thing is, it seems that two things are pretty clear at this point. The Sixers want to trade Ben Simmons, and Ben Simmons doesn't want to be on the Sixers anymore. Do you think this was something that was a long time coming or do you think that the Atlanta series and the collapse that they suffered and the meltdown that Simmons had was so heavy and uh, impactful that it sort of uh, spurred all of this on on its own? Or do you think it was a more gradual thing than we've been led to believe? I thought, yes. No, so... um... (laughs) So, okay, so Simmons thing, I guess there are a few things that are important, right? We always, they, they try, I won't say, yeah, they tried, they tried trading him for James Harden, right? It's always important yeah. to me to remember that part, or they, it should be they, it's he, right? Daryl Morey tried trading Ben Simmons for James Harden. He, did he, he publicly denied it, right? But has he since, I, I know he publicly denied it, but I also feel like he's told, I mean, no one, everyone knows the deal, right? I don't care. Like he might have tweeted, was it a tweet or was it a comment? I don't remember what he publicly said but he we all know he tried trading uh simmons for Harden. or you can say Steve? what i what i remember him saying uh vaguely was like when a player that good is available i think you have to explore it but we're really happy yeah. with the guys we have you know sort of what yeah but say. yeah but everyone everybody knows right he tried um why that didn't happen there are different reasons but it doesn't there, there are different theories as to why like james harden is not a sixer um but the answer is not because the Sixers pulled Ben Simmons off or like thought they were giving up too much. Like that's not that it's clear that's not the reason why, right? If it was up mm-hmm. to Daryl Morey, um, Ben Simmons would have been a Rocket last year and James Harden would have been a Sixer. So that's where this started. Um, and I think Simmons was asked about that a few around the when he came back or maybe after the trade, and he had a pretty good um, if I remember, I don't remember the exactly, but a pretty candid open. Like political, but also open answer. It's a business, and I get it. And my understanding is at the time, I don't know, I'm sure he was hurt a little bit, but my understanding was that at the time, it wasn't like he was saying, can I curse on this? I forget, can I curse? It yeah, wasn't yeah, like yeah. he was saying, yeah. fuck you guys, you guys, how dare you dangle me, I'm out, right? I think, I'm sure he was hurt a little bit, because who wouldn't be? Um, we're all human, and they're human. Um, but I think he handled that like a professional. So that's the starting point here. And then obviously the Atlanta meltdown. Um so, and the Atlanta meltdown, the meltdown in Atlanta, I should say, or I guess in Philadelphia against the Hawks. Um, I think that was the final that broke everything for everybody, like on both ends, right? I think that's where the right. Sixers, it, made, they, it was made clear to them that they don't, that they aren't going to win a championship with Ben Simmons, or at least they don't think so. Um, Doc Rivers basically said as much, right? Um, in, yeah. in the post-game press conference. And I think, I don't think that post, I don't know this, I don't know, but I, I think we can't underestimate how that post-game press conference from Doc, especially Doc Rivers, but also Joel Embiid a little bit, um, 
I'm going to assume that for Simmons, that was sort of it as well, um, which I get. You kind of saw it in real time. And I wrote this in my story that I had that I ran like the next day when um, Ben was asked about like not shooting or I forget the exact question. And you can kind of feel him at first being a little open and then kind of sensing what's going on. That, oh, wait. I'm about to get blamed for everything here. Like I, this is not going well. And he starts turning to the PR guy and asking for like Trey Young stats and how many assists he yeah. had. And it, it's right. interesting to go back and watch that. Cause you can kind of see it happening in real time, like the switch flip and being like, Oh, I got to put my fists up here because I'm about to become the guy who gets blamed for everything, which that was the thing with Embiid said. And I, I, I thought Embiid's comment was also a little unfair there as well. When Embiid said um, the turning point was that not dunking that ball, which was obviously bad, but just, you don't hear, in a seven game series where you're the better team and you lose at home to put like, to go out of your way for a star player to blame it on one play. Um, is weird. So I'm rambling. So to answer your question, I feel like it just been a bit of a, you know, snowball effect and there are some major moments and clearly Daryl Morey being here and being open to shifting things around and Ben deciding that they don't want me here. Um, I think what's kind of how we got to where we are today. Yeah. So speaking of that piece that you published, you mentioned, remember you like, teased it we were all like what's he coming out with we were I tried to do that I don't usually do that but I you know I have to get a you gotta stake your ground you know you gotta mark your territory like that <laughs> stuff is coming it worked there was a screenshot with like the eyeball emoji in our group text so we were we were excited about it but, uh, <laughs> all, all I want is eyeball emo- that's all my goal it's not even clicks it's just eyeball and fire gotcha. that's, all, that's all I'm going yeah. for so you mentioned that um the Sixers have had difficulty coordinating an off-season plan with Ben that would improve his deficiencies. And at the end of the season, Doc and Daryl talked about knowing what the work was that they needed to get Ben to do and that he was all in to get better. Um, Do you think this was just lip service and they had already made up their mind to trade him? Or do you think Simmons was still resistant this off-season and the Sixers were like, okay, like there's nothing we can do here. We got to get rid of this guy. So, so my read on this now is my read. I don't know. Right? My read on that was that they had either either a for a host of reasons, right? A oh shit, this wasn't good. How we handle this the night before? Let's um, do some PR stuff right the next day. For a host of reasons, even just forget even the players' feelings, which I don't think should be forgotten because there's always a chance Ben could come back. Like we're getting you know every day we're getting closer and closer to that being the case. Um, but also from a trade value standpoint, just it's, it's clear that your coach is saying, I don't know if I can win with a guy and that's going to fray the relationship. It just kills your ability to negotiate. Right. Um, I think we're seeing some of that play out now. Um, so I think that was, I'm guessing that was partly PR. I don't know. To me, the way it is, is like, we saw what doc rivers, forget Daryl for a second. We saw what, well, even doubt we saw what doc rivers thinks after the game. Like that was all year. He was doing me. Anyone who says Ben Simmons, is not the best player of all time is a fucking idiot. You don't know anything about basketball. And it was clear that like, that was always for an audience of one that for Ben and no one else. Cause it was too, it was, it was, too, it was too voracious and too vocal. And just, it, 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 it had no, you know, somebody would ask about, you know, Ben went two of 10 from the line today. Is that bad? No, that's not bad. How dare you say that's bad? Like, it just, it was just ridiculous. Um, and, and the post-game press conference made clear that like how fake that all was, right? Cause when he wasn't in control of his emotions, he answered a question like, you know, the question's coming too is Ben, can you win a championship with Ben? It's so easy. Doc Rivers has been giving press conferences for, I don't know, twice a day for 30 years. Like he's done this before. He knows how to do this. Um, and the answer is, I don't know. That's it. So I'm guessing there was some sort of, uh, I think those are the real thoughts, feelings. And the next day was some sort of, um, you know, try to fix that. Um, 
And in terms of Ben, yeah, does he get it? My read on him, I, I don't know, right? I, I do. At the beginning of the series, I thought open in the um, I, I lose track of the games, but there was one game where he was pretty vulnerable, where he said after the game, you know, it's mental, I have to fix it. Um, and I think there was an opportunity there, but I have a feeling that becoming the target of everyone's blame is going to have him put his shields up a little bit in a way that could be uh, detrimental to his growth. I mean, I see him putting out these videos. Has he? I know he's shooting threes with Rajon Rondo, like cool. Um, I, like, that, was, that was good. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. To, to get in his mindset, I have no idea. My read on him has always been that like he, he's surrounded by people. And I put this in the article a little bit, like I'll say surrounded by yes, men. That's the negative way to put about it. There's a, there's a, there's good reasons why he's had kept his circle close and tight. Um, you know, being under the microscope of fame can be tough and it's easy to just keep people you trust around you. And even so there've been people, and I don't want to get into all this, but even like he's got a, um, his, well, it's his half sister, right? Who is somebody who puts stuff out in public, right? And I'm not talking about what's real, but just she puts out family stuff in public. And that's tough also for if you're in a family, you're feeling like you got to keep your stuff close. Um, that's so his I full think sister too. It's his full sister. That's his full sister you said, right? Thank yeah, you it's his little yeah. sister. Little sister, right? So, and that's a whole separate thing. And this has been, and I know there's a stuff in the news now, but this is going back, this has been going back for a long time now. Um, and she's talking about her battles with mental health, I believe. Um, so it's just, it's a tough situation. It's a tough situation when you're just famous under a microscope. And I get why you want to keep people close to you and if you feel stabbed in the back by people like coaches or, or teammates who are supposed to be on your side. I can understand why you kind of put your fists up after that. Um, you sort of uh, addressed this, but the doc stuff all year to me was very bald. Like the, you know, Ben would have four points and six assists. <laughs> and the first thing Doc will say after the game is, I'll tell you who's excellent, Ben Simmons. Couldn't have won the game without him. This guy was absolutely dynamite. What a game from Ben. And like, it just seems so ridiculous. Like there, and Bede had like 35 and 20. And like, he's like, yeah, but did you see Ben and those picks? Like, to me, that always, felt hollow and my question is like was all of that completely just like this is what we're going to try to do with Ben like Brett tried as you wrote about Brett tried the thing where he was tough on him and said give me a three-pointer game obviously that went nowhere uh Doc's like I'm just going to sort of big up his ego in the, in the media every day so do you think that the whole time it was that or do you think that the Atlanta series impacted Doc's opinion of Ben in a major way you know, to make him think that he's no longer the player he thought he was, or was it sort of all bullshit to begin with? It's a good question. I don't know. I think bullshit. I have no idea. Yeah. I don't know. It's hard to, it's hard to answer that anyway. And then this year, I think I see this in interviews a lot. This year is so hard because we're not around, we weren't around anybody outside of like a Zoom. So I, I couldn't even get like, you know, Brett sometimes every now and then you go talk to him after practice and he'd say something, nothing super Insidiary, but like you, you can kind of get a glimpse into what people are actually feeling, even just go through a 90 second bullshit on the walk back to a locker room, right? That's just off, completely off the record. You don't even say off the record, just a conversation, right? Um, mm -hmm. And there was none, there was none of that this year, obviously. So I don't know, but I think it was bullshit. And there were a lot of people around the league who thought it was bullshit. I'll say that. Um, not necessarily okay. people who are like talking to Doc Rivers, who like that, not that they're hearing that Doc Rivers told his assistant and that guy, not like not in some game of telephone, but just seeing it and saying, what the hell is this? It doesn't make sense. This is hilarious. So that was right. my read and the read of lots of others. So there's been some conflicting reports this season about, <laughs> or off season about communication between Ben and the Sixers. 
um, and Ben and his teammates and does Ben text message, all of this stuff. <laughs> um, specifically about Ben and Joel, how, like, what do you know about their relationship? Is there an acrimonious, like, tint from Joel's side? Is it all from Ben to Joel? Or is Joel fed up with Ben? Like, what can you tell us if you know? Um, by the way, I've never related to Ben more than when Danny Green says he doesn't like the text, but I feel <laughs> the same way. I'm, uh, that's, that's, yes, yes, but, but you're not like a 24 year old superstar. Athlete, that is, so by the way, that is like, the way I did have the same reaction. I'm 30, 33. Like, yeah, I'm, usually I'm the one fighting like a 20 something. I'll be like, can we talk on the phone? I'm like, why would we do that? Let's text. So exactly. I, I, I agree with you. It's usually the opposite. So that, does um yeah my radar did go up on that one i did find for that reason right it is uh maybe this meant like instagram well you know i maybe does texting include everything like if you're 25 and you say text does that include like uh, instagram dm or is that is that separate vernacular i think it's it includes it all whatsapp like all what's that it does it just it's like the genetic anything that's typing into your phone to communicate yeah. Yeah. Danny um, just made it sound like no. Ben doesn't have weekend minutes. We can't talk. Yeah. He, has very limited he has to be connected to Wi-Fi to contact him. Otherwise, he's not using his data. Like yeah, that was no. I agree with you. Right. You're very right. When you say I'm not a 24 year old superstar, yeah, that is true. Um. Okay. So, so me, I'm trying to think. So, yeah, there have been. I, I do not about like forget who. There have been a few reports. Like you know, they can't get in touch with Ben. He's not answering anybody. Jake I, Fisher. I don't know about that. Yeah. That I, I mean, I can say in the past in terms of this this off season, I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying I don't want to say those people are wrong. I don't I don't want to say they're right. I don't. I'm not. I'm not saying anyone's wrong. I don't want. I just have no idea, right? So I'll go with the reporting or whatever it is. I don't know myself. Um, I haven't heard either way. Um, in terms of Joel, so their relationship I've always thought has been you. Um, a lot of people misunderstand it. I've talked about this before, right? Anyone who says they hate each other is wrong. Let's say let's at least going into this offseason. Okay. So going into this offseason, anybody who said they hate each other is wrong. Not true, right? They did not hate each other. Anyone who says, like, you know, sometimes there'd be Sixers fans, they show a picture of like them high-fiving after a dunk and being like, imagine saying these two don't like each other. Like that's that's also wrong, right? Like, that is not like they, they're not best friends. They're very different. They're both, I've talked about this and people are surprised by this. They're both introverts. Ben people know is an introvert. I think the Joel part confused uh surprises people because they see him on twitter but i also think that's very classic again we'll talk about young people like you know you're very engaging and have all this personality on social media but when it comes to human interactions um not necessarily behaving the same way joel Embiid is like that as well a little passive aggressive and introvert and they've taken the two of them have taken shots and like there have been times where i've heard them in post-game press conferences and I'd be surprised. Like, so I live in New York. My first teams I was covering were Knicks teams. And there have been times where, and this isn't to criticize the Philadelphia press at all, right? But there have been times where I've heard post-game press conferences with the two of them. There was like a game after Miami a few years ago where Ben said something about, um, you know, we didn't move, we didn't share the ball or we didn't move, something like that. And it was relayed to Joel. And he goes, who said that? And Ben, he kind of rolled his eye. Like things like that where I've thought, oh man, if we were in New York, like the post would have put this in the back page of these two are fighting. And it just doesn't get picked up, which I'm not criticizing. It's just interesting. So like there've been little things here and there where like, they've taken shots at each other in terms of style of play often um, through press, through the media. Um, but I always go back to, and I'm sorry, I'm rambling, but I always find this interesting. I always go back to, um, before game seven, and this is why it's cool when you're actually allowed in the locker room, the game seven of the Toronto game, the Kawhi Leonard shot, like it was silent. And 
Ben and Joel had a moment before, like they take one of them. I think it was Joel. Ben saying to Joel, like, "Yo, you ready?" And Joel nodding, things like that. Like having a bonding moment. I always kind of compare them to roommates, where if you have a um, maybe a college roommate you replace with, you don't necessarily love and get along with so well. But after three, four, five years, or three, four years, you have some sort of relationship and bond. Like you, you can drive each other crazy. You might not like each other, but there's a connection there because you've been through a lot together. So that's what I always thought it was like. Um, so that was going into the offseason, right? They've had, they're not best friends. They don't say hang out. But I think the part about Ben not hanging out with a lot of the teammates is true. Um, you can talk about like the, the JJ Reddick podcast has become like a haven for everyone, every former Sixer from that group, except Ben. And it's always interesting because like if you hear them all talk about, oh, JJ and Joel and TJ McConnell and Tobias Harris, am I forgetting anyone? Jimmy Butler. Like that was basically the core. And the five of them, you can tell there was a bond. It sounds funny, but like they always talk about these things and they hung out together and this one does that. And Ben was never a part of that and is never a part of that, right? Um, TJ McConnell, if I didn't mention him before. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting. Um, so that was going into – that was everything leading up to this year. In terms of this offseason, I know there's been a lot of rumors about, like, Joel wants Ben out and Ben's angry at Joel. I don't know. Um, the Joel stuff's weird because Joel like, has been covered. He doesn't have an agent right now. Um, so he's kind of interacting – with Daryl Morey and like you see they're playing tennis together which I know it's funny but like you can tell and Daryl Morey that was a big thing with James Harden right he basically like James Harden became part of management in Houston and I feel like right. Joel is going to be part mm -hmm. of that it's, it's kind of a similar blueprint um I'm going to assume Ben was kind of pissed at the way and beat him under the bus um I so to answer your question I don't know I don't know what the back and forth is I don't think they're communicating in a let me rephrase that. I don't, I don't. I don't get the read that they're like talking every day, and that's what other people are saying. I don't know if it's been like ignoring. Um, I don't know. If, I don't think Joel has given any ultimatums about like trade Ben or else. I think it's just kind of up in the air. Just to uh, close the loop on some of the reporting from this week on this particular thing, Jake Fisher of Bleacher Report reported last week that, uh, more specifically about his Ben communicating with the Sixers thing that. Ben has not been in contact with Joel, Doc, or Daryl since the season ended. So take that for what it's worth. Um, so has Daryl, obviously we've seen a lot of reports about how uh, the asking price for Ben Simmons is just about everything you can possibly offer, um, which seems par for the course with people who have negotiated with Daryl. That this is when he has something to trade, he's going to start at the very, very most and then work his way down. Has he signaled any willingness yet to work his way down from the gargantuan offers that it seems like were floated a few weeks ago not my understanding is he has not right and to go okay. like you know the example some other people and summer league people talk about this you know i was talking to some people about this stuff um and the way somebody explained it it's like if you think of it well i'll, I'll add this but like if you think of it a spectrum from one to ten right and five being the midpoint of the trade so daryl's going to start off at like one to ten he's going to start off at 14 so then when you shift back to seven, it's like, oh, look, I came down to you. But really, it's on his side of winning, right? That's the whole of course. Like, that's a negotiation tactic. Um, so, again, everyone seems to know that. So I don't know how that works. Um, and I will get to, I, I don't know how this is going to end. It's, it's a really weird stalemate for so many different reasons. Um, but so to answer your question, now my, my read and my understanding, um, at least as of, uh, I'll be honest, you know, I got from Summer League. I haven't made a phone call in a week because I just need a break. But as of uh, mm -hmm. Summer League, whatever, I got home from, as of Summer League, you know, end of Summer League week. So, like, last week, my understanding was there was no change on that front. How likely would you call it that Ben Simmons is traded before the season for someone not Ooh. named Damian Lillard? Yeah. 
I have no, I'm, I'm not going to give you a, I have no idea. I'm going to give you a different answer. That I don't, seems like I don't, what we're dealing with, right? Yeah, this is how I describe the stalemate, right? This is, I don't know how it breaks, right? This is how you summarize it. So Ben Simmons, Daryl Moore, the Sixers, and I'll say, forget, Daryl Morey and Doc Rivers want to trade Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons wants to be traded. Daryl Morey seems to only want to trade him for Damian Lillard, right? Um, that's where we're at right now. Uh, the Portland Trailblazers do not want to trade Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard seemingly does not want to ask for a trade, at least yet, from the Blazers. Maybe at some point, but he seems pretty um, wary of being doing anything that can get dirt on his hands and have him labeled as like the bad guy. Not that he deserves to get that, but it just seems we saw it from even his tweets with the Chauncey Billups hiring, and just he got very defensive about any criticism. Right. So we have all so that so like, who breaks in this game? I I I, don't, I have no idea. So you end up hanging above all this. You have the clock and training camp and. At what point like, is Ben Simmons not going to come to training camp? I, I have no idea, right? I, I, I literally, I do not know. I have no idea if that's even something in the cards for him. Um, and does we Daryl Morey? We can we know like if there's a GM who doesn't care about things being awkward and ugly, he doesn't care. Like he'll if he doesn't think it helps him, if he thinks it hurts from a negotiation standpoint to like send Ben Simmons home, whatever, he'll have him come to training camp. And and if it was only up to him. He'd say, yeah, whatever. I don't care. Like, you know, he doesn't, he's not exactly a chemistry guy. Like that's not exactly something he prioritizes. Um, but it might not be only up to him. Right. So I, I'm, I'm pivoting a little like, to answer your question. I really, I do not know. And I had other people, like I was asking people like, you know, not like GMs or assistant GMs or executives. And somebody even asking me, like, what do you think? And just me asking them, like, what do you think? I don't know. Like a lot of shrugging shoulders. Like, how is this going? So maybe, something being hidden for me that I'm not, you know, no one's sharing, but it's a lot of shrugging shoulders and not seeing how this is going to break. So in terms of, you don't, we don't know if Ben or Clutch will hold out. We don't know. We don't know anything, but in terms of Clutch, they also represent Tyrese Maxey. So how does that work? I always am curious. So like if the Sixers have kind of broken this relationship with Ben, how does that affect their relationship with, does it even affect their relationship with Maxi as the same, with the same agency? Or are they going to be like, well, they like fuck Ben over. So like, let's get our other guy out of here. Like, how does, does that even matter? It, it can, and this situation doesn't. I think it depends on a player. Like JJ Redick, remember he was big on, you know, I'm CAA and David Griffin pissed me off and that's gonna, and that's, uh, and Zion's with them and they're gonna, that's gonna affect them. And maybe, but I don't know, like JJ Redick, you know, he's not, how, the days of him bringing in CAA major money, like a money still speaks, right? So, and I, so same thing with Maxi. Like if the Sixers come off the most money, which you can, that's how it works. So like, it, sometimes it can. Um, like Sam Hinkie's bet, it's actually interesting, right? So, so uh, a lot of agents when Sam Hinkie was running the Sixers were saying, no, this does matter. Like Excel, Jeff Schwartz at Excel. I think I put this in the book. Like had a whole after they traded Michael Carter Williams, you know, said we are not dealing with Sam Hinkie ever again. And that's a yeah. huge agency has a problem. Sam Hinkie's bet was always, okay, cool. But if uh, Kevin Love was an Excel, was a free agent and wants to come to Philadelphia, you're going to say he can't, you're, you agent X are going to tell him that you can't sign Philadelphia because Michael, they were mean to Michael Carter Williams. Like, why is he going to care? He'll find somebody else. Right. So it's interesting. It's an interesting dynamic. So I don't think it's always necessarily like in the black or white. Um, you were quote bad to this guy. Uh, therefore we're going to get our guy out. Um, I think the agents who are smart kind of understand that, it's not necessarily even about being bad. Like, I don't think, I don't think clutch is um, angry at the Sixers, right? I think they're trying, I think actually we're seeing the opposite right now. It kind of seems like they're, they're staying quiet. And I think purposely they're trying to let 
the Sixers do their thing. And it seems like they're trying to say, okay, we'll sit back they're, You're not seeing any leaks on their end. Um, I think they're saying, we're going to sit back and let, you know, let Daryl Morey do his job. And then I'm sure in their mind, they have some sort of date or Ben Simmons in his mind. Cause he's a, he's a client, right. Has some sort of time where I will not, maybe not. I will not show up the training camp. I will not play a game. Like I don't care if I play a game, maybe there's some sort of time. I don't know. Um, but until then they're kind of sitting, it's very clear that they're just kind of sitting back and, even though it was the report from Wojnarowski that they um, they met with them in Chicago at the combine, they're kind of working hand in hand here. So I think this is everyone being um, professional and you know uh, grown ups about it. Yeah, yeah. The, Woj also repeat, re, uh, reported at the draft that the clutch is working in step with the Sixers to find a new home for Simmons. The question is just going to be like, at what point are they now uncomfortable exactly. waiting for the value to circle back around? So that's the question. I agree with you. That's the question. Yeah, that's a big one. Knowing the characters involved, knowing the interest around the league, which Minnesota, uh, San Antonio reportedly interested in getting Ben, uh, the Trailblazers, obviously, that's the big one that uh, I think we're all in a holding pattern for. Realistically, what do you think is the latest that you see this going? Do you think it's training camp or the start of the season or the deadline? I, I personally, I have a hard time seeing this going on into the season like it just seems like everybody involved wants to find a resolution of this and maybe that resolution is talking to Portland and saying theoretically who has some young guys and some picks that you would like around the league and trading Ben for that and holding that but that's a risky proposition because you never know Portland wins 20 straight and now you're sort of uh holding the bag so what do you think what's the latest that you could see this going I'm guessing completely making it up, right? I feel like training camp's mm-hmm. too soon, and that's they're not going to be pushed. Let's say start of the season, right? Like I, I feel like I'd still be pretty surprised if Ben Simmons is in the starting lineup on uh, opening night, game one. I don't know. No yeah. one's anything to me. That's me guessing. But just training camp, eh, if training camp can microwave the pressure in a way, right? Um, but leading up to training camp, you can kind of get away with it, and you can put on a good face for the start of training camp. Even like – I'm thinking back, Jimmy Butler made it to training camp, then things got ugly in training camp, right? It's like usually, right. you know, usually the guy can make it to training camp and it's once you get there, things get a little funky. So that would be, by the way, for all, for all sides. So again, for da- maybe, maybe for Damian Lillard in Portland too, maybe it gets there and be like, oh, I'm out of here because I don't want right. this, um, whatever the example. So, yeah. Um, Emily, do you have anything else before we let uh, your own go? Um. No, I think I'm good. I have like so many questions, but they're just hit me. I'm good, right? I mean, I'm good right now. If you want to hit me, since you can. All right, I do have a question. This is more of just like a your opinion question, but we talk about this a lot on our show, and I'm interested to hear what you think because you, I have to be honest, we're very more pro Ben than we generally are. We tend to just like shit on him a lot <laughs> and not and not think of like the other side of it. But I always bring it back to like someone like. Giannis, who also isn't good at free throws, but he doesn't seem to be afraid to drive to the basket in order to get fouled and take the free throws, and then kind of can sometimes work himself in, like in that last game of finals, into like this great free throw performance and this great performance. Like, what does Ben, like knowing what you know about his personality, knowing like how the Brett Brown tactics didn't work, the Doc Rivers tactics didn't work, like, what is the tactic to make him like do what he's not good at in order to get better at it? Because that's in my mind, his biggest problem is he wants to do what he's good at and not what he's not good at, but that doesn't help him get better. 
yeah, for sure, right? His whole thing has always been, um, why should I do that? I'm, the team is better off. It's almost been like it's um, it's a streak of unselfishness to a, but it, to a point where it becomes selfish, which is a weird thing, right? Yeah. Um, like, you know, most times you're kind of trained, oh, you're not good at that. Don't do that. That's bad for the team. You know, don't do that if you're not good at it. But he's takes it to such an extreme that it breaks the entire mold of the uh, team construct. Um, so that's, the question was why? Like, what, 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 what was the, uh, the question was why? Why does he do that? Or what would happen? What was the question? Like, why does he do that? Like, what's the tactic to make him stop doing that? Since, like, kind of, like, <laughs> goading him into it doesn't work. Being over nice doesn't work. Like, what, what would work? I don't know. It's, uh, it's a, that's a, uh, if, you, if I had the answer, the Sixers would hire me as their uh, shooting coach, right? That's Fair. a good question. <laughs> it's like, they've, not, they, and they've done, I mean, they don't, they've tried it. They've tried, they've, all sorts of people have tried other things. Um, they tried having family around them to work with him. Um, they tried doing, you know, like the Brett Brown thing. And Brett Brown, by he gave the tough love public, but that was like a last straw thing. That was, oh, yeah. You know, he spent 40, he spent 40 years doing a similar, doing the routine, not quite to the extreme, but doing the Doc Rivers stuff where, you know, Ben's awesome. This won't, I used to say, it won't define him, right? That was his phrase. The shooting or the free throw shooting will not define him. And that is not aging well, that um, prediction. Um, so like the, the tells brother tells agent that was clearly a man on his last um with his last straw just the last gas trying like I I don't know what else to do um the thing is not even that, that was weird that was about the three point shot now like that part is sailed like we're not even talking about threes we're just talking about can you be a willing participant in the half court offense right free throws and like are you willing to like be aggressive in the half court um forget the three pointers like that's not even that's a separate conversation uh, which is funny because it used to be about like take threes right. You, uh, you mentioned it's bad. It's not good. Yeah. <laughs> you mentioned the uh, the breath thing in the last straw, and the other last straw, unfortunately, that I remember is when the bubble started, and I think Brett knew that either listen, we we go on a run here, or I'm I'm likely out of here, and they come back in the bubble, and Brett goes, all right, guess what? Ben Simmons is a power forward. Shake Milton starting a point guard. Yeah. It's like, oh boy, and it's like, how many power forwards in? 2020 don't shoot three like and don't shoot he also left. had to walk that back so that was interesting he had to walk that back they made it because ben like it, i don't i don't know who but somebody like he had to walk that back it was uh you know ben Simmons is a point guard and it was made clear that at least in public standing and it was made clear that that was a problem saying that him you know that ben is not a point guard um and again that the with ben simmons like the, the correct part is you shouldn't be defined he's not a power forward or a point guard right the ideal right. role is like point forward but you know fast if it's a live ball go and then in the half court do something else um but just it was the idea of ben being not being the point guard was a problem and uh you know it's it's if i were a ben optimist i would be looking at the new shooting video from chris haynes or the new whatever workout video where he dribbles and then dunks the ball and chris haynes goes who how many point guards can do this um, Chris Johnson, right? Not Chris Haynes. You're gonna have the reporter. Sorry, it was Chris, Chris Johnson, Haynes. right? <laughs> I'm sorry, Chris Johnson. Yeah. No, it could have been. <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a have, funny Freudian slip. I'll leave, I'll leave that that. But yeah, that's funny. Yeah, okay. We go have ahead. so many Chris Haynes reports. Yeah, Chris Johnson. I apologize. Uh, and he tweets about Ben. How many point guards in the league could do this? And to me, it's like, is he still dead set on being the point guard? Because if he is, I think that's a different proposition to bring him in than if he is sort of agnostic as to what exact position he plays. Yeah, that's a good, right? That's a good point. And to me also, those videos, like, so if I was a team, and I get why if you're a team like Minnesota, 
San Antonio, I don't know nothing about. Other people have said that. I know Minnesota. Yeah. Like, I know they're interested up on them. Um, I, you get why if you're a team like that, just, you know, talent, boom, let's try to get it because we're fucking Minnesota right. Timberwolves, right? Uh, so, but man, like some of these videos would make me a little apprehensive. Or if you're a Sixers fan, it's like, it just, it's, it's a, uh, it's not exactly reading the room, right? It's like, yeah, it's like nobody wants to, right. nobody wants to see you dunk the ball on like a one on zero fast uh, pick and roll when tweeting how awesome is he? Like, uh, that's just, it's just, it's a silly, it's just silly. Where, where his what defender is going over the pick. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's actually funny. I haven't thought about that. <laughs> I would have loved to see him play basketball against other NBA players in the Olympics. That's where I would have liked yeah. to see him do things, but we're in the gym against five foot eight guys. So it's fine. That's, um, uh, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah, I, uh, I, I'm, a, to be honest, I'm a little surprised actually. When I saw those videos start coming out, I was a, uh, at least, uh, especially the, even the shooting ones in general, I was a little surprised when we saw them. I thought I really, I didn't think we would see those uh, this off season. I'm, they I'm can't a little help surprised. themselves with the shooting videos. These guys cannot help themselves. No, it's a whole like, trainer. It's a whole trainer thing. Too. Yeah. Anything else, Emily? No, I'm good. Your own. Um, all right. Your book is tanking to the top. Uh, you write for Fox Sports now. Uh, you have great stuff. We can follow you there. What else can we get out there about you? Is that about it? That's good. Yeah. Download. Uh, I'll give you can do the Fox Sports app. It's, uh, it's a solid thing. I will be. Uh, I'm, I'm, I sound like a shill, but it's actually pretty good. Better than good. Bleach Report. If you have Bleach Report. Fox Sports, much better app. Much better app. Go for that one. Download that. Love it. Go for that one. Thank you so much for taking the time to, to talk to us and shed some light on the situation. And uh, it's good to see you. Thanks so much, man. Thanks, guys. You too. Always Thanks. fun. See ya. Take care. to do's, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on home mom? No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower.